0: Chapter Fourteen of Paul, A Herald of the Cross. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Paul, A Herald of the Cross by Florence M. Kingsley. Chapter Fourteen Herodias. The city of Caesarea Philippi was in full gala dress. Every road and byway leading to the open gates was thronged with sightseers. Haughty Roman officials, caracoling on their meddlesome Arabians, keen eyed inhabitants of the desert, mounted on swift dromedaries, turbaned Hebrews, ambling decorously on slow stepping mules as sleek and solemn looking as themselves, mingled with the still greater throng of pedestrians of almost every nation under heaven which was crowding into the little mountain city. Eight thousand feet above their heads towered Hermon, his ancient crest white with the snows of countless winters, his scarred and rugged shoulders veiled in mystic robes of floating mist, pierced with the flashing splendor of many a milk-white torrent. But the age-long miracle of eternal snow, of unfailing flood, of evanescent vapor, attracted no second glance on this morning of all others the day will be fair quoth the weather-wise wagging their heads in the face of the mountain so much the better for us then they fastened their eyes the more eagerly on the gay banners which streamed and fluttered from every tower and battlemented wall of the city within the gates the houses theatres and temples were decked out with a wondrous profusion of wreaths and garlands intermingled with gay hangings of scarlet of blue and of yellow the streets resounded to the tread of marching columns and the loud cheerful blare of golden-throated trumpets all day long in the great square before the splendid temple of augustus liveried servants stood in long lines and distributed to the people heaps of loaves mountains of roasted flesh cheeses without number fruits without limit as for the central fountain it no longer gushed the pure sparkling water of the mountain for by some cunning device it was made to pour forth red wine about it surged a throng of revellers who drank till they could drink no more, lifting their dripping mouths from its purple flood to shout themselves hoarse in honour of the founder of the feast. The King! The King! All hail to Agrippa! The King! The King! In honour of the King also were magnificent shows in all the theatres, and not so much as a farthing's charge to see the best of them, nor were the temples forgotten with a splendid impartiality sacrifices were smoking on roman and syrian altars alike and at jerusalem it was rumored in the great temple of the hebrews no fewer than a thousand beasts were to be slain on this day of rejoicing in the midst of the banqueting hall of his palace surrounded by throngs of gaily attired courtiers was agrippa himself arrayed in royal purple his dark curls bound with a diadem of gold the newly made king lay at his ease on his elevated couch surveying with a smile of triumph the scenes of revelry about him by his side reclined his wife the fair cypros her delicate face flushed with joy and pride a little below and at the right hand the boy agrippa robed like a roman prince was devoting himself to the delicate sweetmeats and fruits with all the zest of unaccustomed appetite on the left of the royal couch reclined a magnificently apparelled woman and whose dark, jewel-like eyes, pale olive complexion, and haughty, aquiline features could be traced a sufficiently strong resemblance to Agrippa to betray their kinship. Her companion, a man apparently many years older than herself, played with the grapes upon his plate, and from time to time addressed a remark to his nephew, the young Agrippa. Come, princeling, he said languidly, drink with me now to the health of the emperor Caius Caesar, who has bestowed upon thee all these good things gladly will i drink to the emperor cried the boy lifting his cup though truth to tell i like him far off better than near at hand yet by his grace i also shall be king one day thinkest thou so said herod antipas with a half sigh my father was a king yet am i only a governor the more fool thou murmured the woman at his side with an impatient toss of the head which set all her jewels winking Yet hast thou not failed of being queen, who art queen of my soul, whispered the man with an admiring glance at her beautiful face. Methinks the garland of pearls we sent thee adorneth the fair Herodias even as drops of dew adorn a royal rose, said Agrippa graciously, turning his flushed face upon the pair. What sayest thou, my Antipas? Thou hast spoken golden words as becometh a king, and one favored by the king of kings, the great and glorious Caesar. A fairer jewel have I rarely seen. "'Tis worthy to adorn a queen of beauty.' Herodias raised her eyes slowly to the face of Agrippa. "'I could believe that I dream, brother of mine,' she said, with a curl of her red lips. "'Thou, a king, who wert of late but a beggar, flying before thine enemies like a withered leaf before the blasts of winter. Thou, a giver of jewels, who—' "'Hole, daughter of my mother,' said Agrippa, his eyes flashing dangerously beware lest thou speak words of which thou shalt hereafter repent the past is dead i dead is that just man whose head was served up to thee in a platter at thine own request a dainty dish for a dainty princess herodias shrugged her fair shoulders with seeming indifference but antipas grew white to the lips as if stung by some unseen lash of remembrance the man was just he cried but he had spoken words hard to be forgiven besides there was my oath, what could I do? Herodias smiled evilly. There was also my oath, she said, languidly adjusting the jewels upon her round arms. But why fatigue ourselves by thinking of the fellow? He was a fool, and he perished in his folly. In like manner shall other fools lose the air from their nostrils, and become, for lack of it, carrion. She raised her eyes suddenly and fixed them insolently upon Agrippa. Am I not right, my royal brother? Thou art as ever entirely right, princess, replied Agrippa with a mocking laugh. I drink to thee, charming being, blent of fire and snow, and endowed with all the wit, purity, and exalted goodness of a daughter of the gods. A pretty speech by the immortals, exclaimed Antipas complacently. There is a subtle something in the air of Rome that refines the tongue, lends luster to the eye, and— adds perchance a coronet where none appeared before whispered herodias in his ear i pray thee try that air my lord that thou also mayest learn the trick by which a beggar may be made a king i like not the air of rome observed cypros who had hitherto kept silence albeit a look of anxiety had crept into her soft eyes tis heavy with dread in this pure air of the mountains one can draw the breath of joy and freedom taste this conserve of pomegranates my sister twas made they tell me by the mountain maids especially to grace this feast then beware lest it contain poison said herodias harshly these mountain folk are little used of late to the glitter of a crown and they love it perchance no better than the alexandrians when it rests upon the head of a jew agrippa flushed scarlet since when hast thou kept a spy upon our movements he demanded a spy a spy repeated herodias with a taunting laugh there was no need of a spy brother all the world knows how thou wast welcomed at alexandria how they mocked thee insulted thee lampooned thee in every square and theatre how they seized a foul demoniac from the mud of the streets clothed him with the footcloth, crowned him with a papyrus leaf and bowed the knee before him crying hail agrippa agrippa king of the jews they shall yet smart for it hissed agrippa from betwixt his teeth so also shall the short-sighted fool flaccus who permitted the outrages is it true that images of the emperor are being erected in their synagogues said herod antipas with a languid show of interest the alexandrians demanded it replied agrippa frowning only that they might accuse the jews of treason should they refuse and what sayest thou, king, should these Jews refuse or comply with the decree of the emperor concerning the worship of his image? asked Herodias suddenly, raising herself upon her elbow and fixing her brilliant gaze upon the face of the speaker. Agrippa glanced at the lady and opened his lips to reply. Then he looked again, and a scornful smile crept into his eyes. The emperor, he said deliberately, is too truly godlike to look closely at the worms which crawl so far beneath him. What possible difference can it make to the illustrious Caius whether or not his image be adored by the Jews of Alexandria thou hast not answered my question. I would the rather ask thee one which also thou shouldest be able to answer: Is it better to enjoy the little one possesses with a pure conscience or to grasp at the unattainable and fail? tis better to grasp at what is beyond answered herodias defiantly than to lull with empty hands and inglorious content the beyond is seldom the unattainable she arose from her place and with a low obeisance swept from the banqueting-hall superbly indifferent to the following eyes of the assembled courtiers and is the son of the great herod content to sit below the son of Aristobulus at meat? she asked her husband an hour later when the two were alone in their apartments nay i care not replied antipas indifferently Agrippa's crown is but an empty bauble bestowed to recompense him for his chain. He is a king, a king, I tell thee, a favorite of the emperor of Rome, and he will yet snatch from thee the meager power that thou hast, if thou bestir not thyself sharply. Let us to Rome without delay, and there shalt thou demand thy rights at the hands of Caius. My rights? Thy rights, yes, a crown, and the extension of thy domain. Why shouldst thou not receive Judea?' Antipas frowned slightly and shook his head. "'Thou art afraid of the sea, perchance,' sneered Herodias, "'or thou art thinking of the feast which King Agrippa may serve up to thee to-morrow. Thou art mad with envy, woman, and knowest not what thou art saying. Ay, mad enough to die by my own hand if thou be not king. What, can I endure to see yonder woman who of late was a pensioner upon our bounty, a crowned queen, whilst I am nothing?' "'A queen! What is it to be such a queen as she?' what hath she that thou hast not jewels robes palaces a tribe of waiting women which of all these things hast not thou i have not a crown i will have a crown but the emperor gives not crowns for the asking as thou wouldst give a farthing to a beggar come be reasonable sweet one thou art the queen of my soul crowned and anointed let us go hence and forget that agrippa is other than a homeless disgraced wanderer think not to turn me from my purpose with honeyed words. Thou knowest me well, have I ever yet forgotten when I would fain remember? By the immortal gods, no, nor yet remembered when thou wouldest forget. Thou art indeed queen of my destiny, tis vain to contend against thy decrees. And if it be so, have I not held to thy lips a rich chalice of delights? murmured Herodias, lying her delicate hand caressingly upon her husband's arm antipas gazed at the beautiful face so near his own in silence for a moment then he dropped his eyes to the floor for thee i have made a deadly enemy of my brother he said in a smothered voice for thee i thrust forth the daughter of a king who was also my lawful wife for thee i slew john baptist the man of god and shall i refuse thee this bauble nay i will go to rome that i may ask for thee a crown and if the fates have willed that I return not, thou wilt still be beautiful and young. It will not matter. End of chapter 14